Hey everybody, that's Artis and I'm Bellop. Um, he was just saying previously on Story Jazz Oturo. Uh, let me just translate. Oturo, our teacher, um, was showing Matula how to cut reeds when he found Artis and I sleeping in an open field. <laughs> yes, you were, and so was I. We were both sleeping after we had seen a bunch of reeds just sort of disintegrate. <laughs> Basically, after we came home to the village, we saw Gatherer Eleki and, and Elder Karumbe fighting over the disappearance of the reeds. <laughs> and they were talking about going to see the stone people. And apparently artist thinks it's a good idea. Um, but before we could head out, this rain came. Yeah, and as artist is saying, it destroyed all of our huts. You know, it destroyed... Oh yeah, and the babies, right. The babies went crazy for the rain. It was really weird. So anyway... Uh, yeah, Maybe. <laughs> and then artists disappeared, and the babies were cackling, and now the whole tribe is out in the open and has to find a way to survive. Uh, please enjoy the newest episode of Story Jazz, Oturo. Goodbye. <laughs> That was my interpretation of our music really fast. <laughs> wow, great, great job. Hey, everybody, it's Story Jazz, your favorite improv narrative podcast, right? Please say yes. Y yes, yes, please say yes. I'm Softy, and with me is Sam. We are your your humble, humble narrators at our continuation of Story Jazz Oturo, which I don't know if we'll finish today, but we're going to give it our best two mouths. <laughs> As you can tell, we are very good with words and making them come out of our mouths. Uh, do we want to jump right in? I kind of want to do a scene with Artis. Yeah, uh, I guess... I have no idea what, what's happening after he, since, since he disappeared, so... Uh, welcome, everybody. We're going to jump right in. We see a long, split path through the reeds as a group of three men drag artists along behind them. We haven't seen any of these men before. We don't know who they are. Our only suspicion is that they're particularly tall. <laughs> Wait, we suspect that they're tall or we can see that they're Our tall? only suspicion comes from the fact <laughs> that they are particularly tall. Artis is asleep behind them, or at least he was up until this point, because suddenly he sneezes himself awake. <laughs> Looking up, he can see his hands are tied and they are just dragging him through the reeds. The uh, broad-shouldered man who's, who's dragging Artis himself glances back to see to make sure Artis isn't planning any sort of elaborate escape. 
and then goes back to dragging him. When he sees that all the boy can do is thrash about and foam at the mouth a little bit. <laughs> all right, I need a voice. Um, I, I I love just giving them totally weird voices. Um, Okay. Are you sure this is what uh, our elders wanted when they said to kidnap one of the stone people? <gasps> Sorry. Um, Don't question me. Just keep walking. But I just, I find it surprising that one of the stone people lives among the small big river village. I don't know how this happened, but it's true. He's obviously a stone person. How? But how do you know that he's one of the stone people? Meanwhile, Artis in the back is sort of like flopping up and down, pushing himself off the ground with his feet just to land back on his butt with each step. He doesn't look like any of the stone people. Just listen. (laughs) (laughs) What does that sound like to you? Does that sound like big river speech? I suppose it does not. It doesn't really sound like anything, if I'm going to be honest. In fact, it just sounds like he's still sneezing himself awake from before. Well, how about you help him get a few more hours of shatai? Eh? And she gives, makes a little gesture with her fist. And the man, confused for a second, obeys, shrugging, and smacks Artis in the head. <laughs> Bops him on the head. Bops him on the with skull. A closed fist, like a like a like a cartoon. The closed fist on top of his head. Bonk. And Artis doesn't react in the slightest. See, dense head. I don't even know how to explain that. He says, <laughs> looking at his fist, wondering why he couldn't knock unconscious this you know five year old child. Is five? You said he had four teeth. How old can you be and still have four teeth? Wow, you really picked up on that. Um, For me, he had four teeth because it is prehistoric times and there is no dental hygiene. Yeah, but you you would still net at least more than four teeth before you're... (laughs) Although I think five-year-olds probably already have more than four teeth already, too. Okay, anyway. We don't know how many teeth children have. How many teeth children have? Two? A (laughs) hundred? Write us in the comments. Send us an email. How many teeth do your children have? Are you a child? How many teeth do you have? How many teeth does the average child have? That is this week's special question. If you get the answer right, we will send you (laughs) one free copy of Story Jazz. And a tooth. A child's tooth. So that we will find a child's tooth to lower the average. Um... The third member of the party of kidnapping children has remained quiet this entire time. It's a rather uh, stooped gentleman with a you know, terrible scoliosis or something. He's crooked-backed. He's, don't look at me like that. And I, his name <laughs> is Sam. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me. I lived in prehistoric times, says that character. <laughs> But in actuality, he's been very quiet. He's been um, he's been eyeing young artists, but otherwise keeping quiet as the two others banter about whether or not Artis is one of the mysterious stone people. Do we want to end the scene somehow, or do we want to just like use it as like a quick look in and then jump back? Eventually, he whistles lightly, and the other two snap to attention. And he makes a complicated series of gestures with his eyebrows. <laughs> And they both immediately know <laughs> <laughs> that there's something wrong with his eyebrows. 
they both immediately know <laughs> that they have company. Okay, now we can jump. Wait, wait, wait. I, I want to continue this. Oh, this yeah, okay, cool, cool. Fucking cool. tense. All three of them hunch down into the reeds. The sharp-voiced one, you know, the one that I have been voicing and who we haven't <laughs> described visually yet, is hook-nosed and has, like, uh, blotchy skin. You you may have said three men, but I think I've already turned her into a woman. So um, she... Happens to the best of us. <laughs> she looks at the uh, scolio, scoliotite. How the fuck... Scolioite. I don't know. There must be a word for that. You know, for what people I mean? with scoliosis. You don't Scoliosite? know the name for your own people. I don't know my own people's name. I'm very not in touch with our culture. <laughs> she looks at the scoliosis riddled man <laughs> and says, "You didn't tell us they would be here. This route was supposed to be clear." What the? Wait, wait, wait. What was the other guy's voice? The style? big guy. Nothing Yes. Okay. Yeah. What are we supposed to do? He says as he hunkers down and puts a, a broad hand over Artis's mouth, nose, face, and head. As he gets less and less air, Artis struggles less. Guys, it's really horrible. The scoliosis man holds up a finger for them to wait and then pokes his head up out of the reeds and looks around 360 degrees. About a hundred meters away, he can see a, a pack of moving people, N- nearly 50 of them, uh, packs on their shoulders, uh, stacks of reeds in between them as they carry uh, all of their personal belongings. There aren't many nomads in the area, so he squints his brows and his very complicated brows and... <laughs> And tries to get a better look. These are the small, big river people. The very same people that they just robbed Artis from. Are they are they hunting him down? Did they notice? What is happening? The the blotchy faced woman has poked her head out of the reeds next to him and curses under her breath. We have to cross the river, she says. The other two snap to look at her. Then the scoliosis-riddled man nods slowly, and the big man uh, shakes his head, scared. There are far too, far too many dangers in the river. I, what are we going to do if, a, if an alligator takes the boy? <laughs> Where are we going to find another stone person? And uh, the woman looks down at Artis, who has resumed struggling despite very low oxygen in- intake, and in that moment, screams and bites the big man in his hand. The big man doesn't even react. <laughs> it's possible we already have an alligator in our midst. The complicated eyebrowed scoliosis riddled man. <laughs> I like how we were refusing to give them names. It just making them increasingly complicated descriptions. Um, he gives her a thumbs up with his left eyebrow. It's a supernatural display of eyebrow uh, dexterity. And then the three dash off through the reeds. Away from the moving group. And into the shadows along the shore of the ever-rushing big river. We jump to a Turo. He and the rest of the small Big River Village have quickly packed up all their belongings and headed north. Short Big River and Long Big River are 
their only hope for survival now. But Arturo can't shake the fact that he lost Artis. Artis is, is somewhere. Maybe Artis is still somewhere around the village, and, and he keeps wanting to double back, but little Matula and, and Bellop are holding on to him, terrified. Are the two babies in the baskets on his back and chest are sleeping soundly. He's glad that at least their weird cackling has stopped. As he walks with his entire village at his back, due north, a woman catches up to him. A hard-jawed, strikingly beautiful, bald woman. She lays a hand on his neck from behind. Cool fingers, a comforting touch. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, meaning to comfort him, but, but Oturo uh, startles at the touch. Sorry, she says. Hey there. Hey there, little one. And she picks up Matula in one arm. It's quite all right. I just... Mom! <laughs> I'm not a baby anymore. Sorry, you're just so adorable. And she sort of gives her a little butterfly kiss or a little, um, you know, nose rub on her forehead. Um, in her le- in her other hand, the woman is holding a fearsome spear with a jagged bone spearhead. I promise you that I will I will find Artis. He's really quite adept at surviving on his own and when we break for rest I will resume search for him. I I promise that I will find him. I'm I'm so sorry. Atura starts stumbling. I know, Oturo. It's not your fault. You taught the kids well, and I'm sure that he'll survive and find his way back. I just... When we found Artis, he had such an anger within him. He had somehow fought his way through tooth and claw as such a small child, and, well, I... I've been working these few years to temper that anger, and if he's out there having to survive again, I'm afraid that it'll it'll take him again. In that moment, Eleki steps up from behind and says, We need angry men. And again, Oturo startles a little at Eleki's sudden approach. If Artis finds his way back to us, good. We'll have a strong, angry man at our side. And if he doesn't, maybe he wasn't angry enough. Oturo turns slowly to look at Aleki, always ready to debate the scarred, boisterous man. Artis's life is valuable regardless of how angry he is or how useful he is to the village. His life is valuable, just as the reeds, the alligators, and the hippopotamus are. All life is valuable. Oturo says softly but sternly, and like he shrugs, we'll see how you feel about the alligators later when we camp at the embankment. It's getting dark already. Hope you've sharpened that spear. He nods toward, uh, he nods toward Matula's mother. She eyes Aleki and says, you worry about reed cutting, reed cutter. I'll worry about hunting. She kind of almost spits the last word out as she looks back forward. And Aleki grunts. <laughs> and breaks off from the group. Bellop tugs on Oturo's hand and says, Elder Oturo, why do you and Aleki always fight? Oturo 
thinks about this for a second and then says, almost as if he's zoned out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and then answers coherently. uh, We don't fight, Pelop. We argue, but we both want what's best for all of us. Uh, I think we can jump ahead in time a little bit, right? Yeah. To like them setting up camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. They walk under the setting sun and then it sets. <laughs> <laughs> the stars start poking out in the black velvet of the night sky and people start getting nervous. Eleki and the other reed cutters, Mutula's mother and the other hunters all begin hefting tall torches above the crowd, giving light for the builders to set up whatever encampment they can at the edge of the river. The expert builders, people who have spent their entire lives, all 15 to 17 years of them, uh, (laughs) practicing their weaving, weave big tarps of reeds within minutes and put together tents and tarps and little coverings for people to spend the night under. But the unspoken word is that everyone's nervous for another bout of rainfall. If this mystical rain were to fall again, it would decimate the rest of the supplies that Small Big River Village has, and their chances of survival would dwindle to almost none. Karumbe is overseeing the setting up of camp. Bella pulls on Karumbe's hand and asks, Elder Karumbe, um, is this a safe spot for us to set up camp? Karumbe glances up at Oturo and then looks back out into the setting up of the tents. Hmm, young Bellip. No and yes. Setting up in the embankment without huts or housing is dangerous. It's unsafe. But we don't have many other choices. Matula sort of sniffs her nose, which is running now in the cold. Like the river. (sighs) Running like the river. This big river is the river and small river is Matula's nose. (laughs) And she says, Then why don't we just keep walking? Because it is unsafe at night as well. Little Matula, little Bella, you've not encountered the beasts of the night, but they are fearsome. Predators in which during the day we may have a chance, but at night they have superior vision. They pounce and strike and kill without the merest breath. There's no way to stop them. Our strength lies in the light, in the unity, and our people staying together, and we can't risk traveling apart at night. That's why I originally suggested that we not travel tonight, but with the destruction of our homes, again, we have few other options. Oturo clears his throat and respectfully says, Elder Karumbe, I, I worry that there might be another rainfall. Maybe it, maybe it would be best if at least some people went ahead to scout. Scout for rainfall? No amount of scouting is going to prevent our, our last vestiges of storage from being obliterated by this impossible plague. Yes, but maybe we can make contact with uh, long and short, or maybe we can make it to the stone people and, and find help to, to meet us halfway if, if we just push ahead. Yeah, says Matula. I, I want to do that. I, I, yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> Very admirable, young Matula. And you. And we could look for artists on the way, says Bellop. Karumbe pauses. 
yes, I want to find artists as well, and perhaps it is wise to send someone ahead, but who would we send? Aleki is... Us! Matula says. <laughs> Us! Bellop says simultaneously. Akarumba smiles. I can't send you children. Your brave and powerful contributions to our wonderful village, but you're our future. I cannot risk our future. Bellop puffs up his chest and starts turning a little red, but <laughs> overcomes his sort of respectful restraint and says, With all due respect, Elder Karumbe, I think you're risking more by doing nothing. You're risking our entire village's future if, if we all get washed away tonight. Uh, Karumbe lifts an eyebrow and looks up at Oturo, and Oturo sort of smiles, shrugging. I don't teach him his ideals, just how to use the scythe. <laughs> Plus, if we find artists, you know, I, I'm the only one who understands him, and he can he can tell me what he found and what happened. Karumbe seems somehow convinced by this. She exchanges a look with Aturo, and Aturo nods. This still seems unwise to me, but you are very convincing, young Bella. Bella beams at that. Elder Aturo, go. Take young Bella. Matula, you stay here with me. If you find Artus, you come right back. If you find short or long Big River Village, <laughs> then stay there. And send help. And send help. We'll be short on your tail. I'll tell the other elders what I've decided. But leave now and move swiftly. Stop for nothing and don't linger. You can't rest. You can't sleep. You're a walking dish of alligator stew for any predator out there. <laughs> Oturo chuckles and says, I, um, I promise to stay away from the alligators. This isn't fair, Matula <laughs> says. I'm the one who came up with the idea of going. <laughs> well, that's not entirely. Yes, it is. What about, what about me? I think I have a, an even more important job for you, young Matula. Is it taking care of the two babies? It could be. Because somebody, what, 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 would, what did you have in mind? I, I don't know. I just said that. <laughs> okay. Hard cut to Matula holding the two baskets with the two babies. How old is she? Like 10? Yeah, she's probably, probably not, that, yeah, not that old. Yeah. We said they were roughly the same age. They're, they're but... all, they're all, they're, she's the age of like eight teeth. Right, right. Um, or just the age of four teeth. <laughs> she's eight teeth old and she's holding these two babies in, in the baskets. On my eighteenth birthday. Oh, wow. That's where that comes from. <laughs> Back in the day, you were full, a full adult when you were eight teeth. <laughs> Yes. So Matula gets fucking drunk and votes and joins the military that evening. <laughs> that's that's why there's, you know, you really act up when you become a teethager. <laughs> right. Because of all the teething. It hurt. It do hurt. Um, so Oturo is, is off on the horizon. <laughs> um, Bella but Oturo, cloaked in reed, hiding among the reed, run through the reeds as fast as they can. Reedly fast. Reedly fast. That's not um, that's not anything. Oturo <laughs> uh, splitting the reeds back and forth as expertly as he'd done last episode in order for them to make progress. He wants to call out to artists, but 
he knows in the back of his mind that their real mission is to make it to Long and Short River. It's incredibly unlikely that Artis is ahead of them. In fact, it's much more likely that Artis is far, far behind. I'm ready for this, you know, Bellop says. Ready for what, young Bellop? I'm ready for an adventure. I'm, I'm ready to fight for my village. I'm eight teeth old now, and I, and I want to start contributing. Your contributions are not always dependent on the level of your combat prowess. Fighting is not always about fighting, young Bellop. Bellop zones out for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) I know, it can be about, I guess, wait, what else is fighting about? (laughs) Sometimes fighting is about arguing. It's about deciding what's right for the people and not about physical manifestations of violence. Teaching is a way of fighting for what you believe in, whether it's teaching the ways of the scythe or whether it's teaching about empathy. And before you can finish that sentence, a splash of water, sploosh, and a low growl emanate from nearby. Otura reaches a hand back into Bellum's face and opens it and says, Take my hand. <laughs> I thought he opened his face. <laughs> and opens his face and reaches inside and pulls out a long scythe. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Take my hand. Bellop takes Oturo's hand. And as Oturo lightly brushes aside some reeds, the two see ahead of them a huge alligator that has just emerged from the river. It is, its eyes seem almost to glint red in the moonlight as it scans the surroundings and growls. I don't know what alligator growls sound like. Actually, I think alligators probably make no sound because they're scary lizards and they just sort of, they appear behind you and then you get they get you before. Like when you're playing Red Dead Redemption and then you suddenly <laughs> get just pulled off your horse by a fucking alligator and it's like, hello, I was in the middle of a f- stealth mission and I just lost a life to an alligator that I didn't even see before it already killed me. Okay. What, um, is that even game design? This has been a Red Dead Redemption game review. Um, anyway, Oturo says... Sometimes fighting young Bellop, he says as he closes his hand tightly around Bellop's, means to run. And both of them take off as fast as they can. And the alligator <laughs> takes off after them. Have you ever seen an alligator run where they just like sort of rotate their <laughs> or their arms like elbows out? Like wheels. Like like wheels, <laughs> like those ducks that you can push around. You know those like play yes. those toy ducks with the with the feet that go like flop 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 flop. That's exactly what this alligator looks like. Very menacing. Um, but it's enormous. It's as it's as tall as Bellop at the shoulders, and yet you know two, wait, probably like three meters long. It's enormous. Jesus. Jesus. It's as tall as an eight teeth old boy. Yes. Arturo and, and Bellop weave back and forth through the reeds, running as fast as they can as they can hear the crashing of the alligator behind them. Alligators don't even often pray at night. What is it doing awake? They sprint and sprint until they suddenly burst out through the reeds and into another one of these clearings, a big circular hole in the reeds. Arturo and Bellop, who 
had been relying on the reeds for support as they rushed forward, no longer had that, and thus bowled over each other, rolling to a halt in the middle of the clearing, just as the alligator pushes through behind them. They, they scramble to their feet and stand paralyzed for a second, staring at the alligator. It's mere meters away now. And Bellop whispers, Can fighting sometimes just be fighting, though? And Oturo starts answering, Fighting is only fighting if we can win. <laughs> he says as he, as he reaches out for Bellop's hand again in the darkness. And as they stumble backward, starting to run again and the alligator rushes f- toward them snaking its body as it flop flop hands <laughs> flop, flop hands. flailing as it <laughs> charges them it's gaining it's almost upon them they're not gonna make it when just in that moment a black shadow emerges from the darkness so black in fact that they're looking at darkness upon darkness and it's nearly invisible except for two thick paws planting themselves in the gator's forehead. Ripping it aside, the gator was there one moment and then dragged off again the next. Both Aturo and Bellop are silent. The three-meter-long lizard thrashes wildly, but this other creature is stronger. Maybe bigger? It's hard to tell in the darkness. But it just pulls this lizard back into the reeds away from the river. What previously was a hungry alligator looking for a meal is now a desperate one trying to get back into the water, but it can't. It struggles futilely against the powerful paws of whatever this dark creature is, dragging it away. Oturo and Bellop watch in silence for a moment and then dash off through the reeds again. It's 10 minutes before they stop huffing and puffing and Bellop could finally ask, <sighs> What was that thing? That young Bellop was a puma. I mean, Sabretooth puma? I mean, we can. Sabretooth puma. Yeah, we can, we can call it a puma it's, or, or a, a jaguar, or we can say a panther. I don't know. Maybe we just say panther. But, but does its teeth have shape of saber? The sabers aren't invented yet. They wouldn't know. <laughs> that was a puma with long, crooked teeth. <laughs> That, that was a puma, a god of the forest, a champion of all creatures. What, of the forest? Bellop looks. Looks away from the river. Looks away from the river and into the distance. It's a long way of just reeds and only toward the horizon can you see the landscape building toward hills and mountains and the and the deep, dark forest rising to meet those mountains. What is it doing so far from the forest if it's a god of the forest? I don't know why it's here. With the rain, all things are different. Come, we don't have much time to spare. I doubt we'll be so lucky if we encounter another alligator. Ring, ring. Ring, uh, ring. Hello. Hello. Hello, this is the police. Oh, 
Uh, goodbye. This is, this goodbye. Is the, wait, no, no, no. This is the podcast, please. It's, oh. it's a lot less serious than yes. the you know okay. violent one. Um, how may I? How may I help you today? It's about your podcast. Ah, uh, yes. You like my podcast? It's actually no. It's a crim. It's criminal. It's criminal. The, the podcast is too goodbye. The, goodbye. the podcast is too good. Is what I was gonna oh, say. Oh, too good. Oh, hello. <laughs> yes. Welcome to podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I was just trying to trying to make you a compliment, but actually, actually, this is gonna have legal consequences. You have to. Oh. Um, oh no. Yeah. Yes. You've been no. served here. I served. Wait. Paper sounds. Paper sounds. You've been served. Wait. You can't serve people over the phone. You can when it's po- a podcast police because they're only audio based. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I have you on the phone. Have you have you checked out their their social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Story Jazz Cast? Uh, oh, you mean at Story Jazz Cast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, <laughs> the social media platforms? Yes, or 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 email them at storyjazzcast at gmail.com. Oh, storyjazzcast@gmail.com. That's that email that you can email them at, right? If you're lonely y- and yes. and want to communicate yes okay uh, thank you G- goodbye goodbye the, was this the entire ad break <laughs> that this was uh, the whole ad break wasn't we it? love you we love you <laughs> all right artistine <laughs> be quiet now we are almost there says the big man as he presses a wide hand onto Artis's mouth. The three adults are wading through Big River at a ford, a particularly shallow portion of the river that they'd stumbled upon in order to make it across as fast as possible. Wait, did we just jump, jump back in time? No. Well, kind of, a little bit. Because we could just say they're crossing back over. Great. Awesome. So they crossed over in the night to evade the small Big River people. And now they're crossing back over to the other side to reach their home. Long Big River Village. Or Short Big River Village. We're not sure yet. I think it's going to be long. I think yes, it's going it to be short. It is long. Yes, it is short. Really? It is short. No, no, it's it's long. It's it's short. <laughs> no, it's got to be long, Softy. It's short. Internet historians quote this moment in Story Jazz episode 17 as the moment where it all went the friendship wrong. started falling apart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um... And they come upon this village, and it is long. Um, it is a long strip of huts right at the um, edge of the shore with a bunch of wooden stakes rammed into the ground to keep the alligators at bay all around. The prevalence of wooden stakes is uncommon. That doesn't make... Doesn't, does that make sense? The, I guess that makes the sense. The reason that... Like, Let's just move forward with it. Um, the prevalence of stakes is uncommon. This village is particularly close to the forest. The forest and the river come closer here than anywhere else, and Long River Village is one of the wealthier of the villages because of it. But the like fence of stakes around the village is uh, a new addition. It's also the closest Big River Village to the mountain where the stone people live. The scoliosis man, the blotch-skinned woman, and the big boy <laughs> drag Artis into the center of Long Big River Village. Kicking and yawning, screaming. <laughs> that was weird. Is he tired? <laughs> Are you tired? I guess so. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, it's been a long night for Artis and 
the rest of them. The scoliosis man makes a complicated series of eyebrow gestures and points to the <laughs> points to the largest of the long huts. All of the huts are very long, right? It's a long. Yeah, it's a long village. It has long, long huts. huts. Points to the longest hut um, with his eyebrow, and the woman nods. The longest of the huts is adorned with wooden uh, stakes. adornments, <laughs> stakes along the uh, along the walls and over the entryway. Also, new additions. The wood craze has really taken over here. The blotched-faced woman um, walks up to the entryway of the long hut and calls inside. Great elder, we've come back. We have the boy. We found. We found. A boy. We think it's the boy. We found the boy. We're pretty sure. It is the boy. We're pretty sure it's the boy. <laughs> and out of the shadows of this long hut comes a long person. <laughs> I know we've had this before, <laughs> but it's not the police captain from Fourth Life. It's He is long in width. He has very long arms, but he's short in stature. <laughs> It's a, and he's not a broad man. He just is really long sideways. <laughs> so this actually quite old elder um, steps out of the shadows. Wiry man with all his teeth left. He's at least 30 or 40 teeth old. Yeah, he's like, he's like, looks like he's like 40. Um, the oldest character we've met so far. And I just have this terrifying image of somebody at the age of 102 with 102 teeth. And it's just. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works, obviously. I've been 32 for like 10 years now. I just hit 25. So. Good, good job. I'm glad. Uh, and he smiles and says, everybody's meant to be in their huts right now. But I'll make an exception for you. And all of them bow their heads and say, oh, Yes, Great Elder. Yes, Great Elder. Only the scoliosis man mumbles very quietly. He makes this complicated series of eyebrow gestures that say, Yes, Great yes, Elder. Great elder. <laughs> I don't know how that fucking started, why I decided to do that. You went with your gut. I respect that. But, Great Elder, didn't you, weren't you the one who told us to uh, fetch a stone person? Yes, I was. But the curfew still stands. Now come in. <laughs> yeah, yes, great elder. They all they all stumble into the hut and and close the curtain behind close the reed curtain behind them. The great elder um blows on the embers of the tiny fire in the center of the hut. And uh, <laughs> brings it back to life again. Everybody watches in, in discomfort as this <laughs> Man almost <laughs> seems to collapse under the effort. But the fire picks up a little bit. Uh, so, Great Elder, uh, why did you want us to bring this boy? And is this the is this the right boy? Did we bring are you sure this is a we just brought a boy. We're hoping that it's a, a stone a stone boy. A human stone boy. A stone a boy of the stone people boy, human. And the the scoliosis eyebrows man. <laughs> So weird. Scoliosis eyebrows man grabs Artis from the big man and shoves him forward for the great elder to look at. And Artis goes, And the great elder smacks him in the face. 
and looks at the others and says, You know that I have been in contact with the stone people for a long time now. Yes, yes, great elder. And I learned many things from them, from woodworking to hierarchies and... Yes, great elder. Governing. Yes, great elder. And we all know that since I have taken on their... Stone people's form of governing our village has... Yes, Gildur. Can you stop interrupting me, even if it's out of respect? Yes, Gildur. Okay. <laughs> uh, where was I? This Scoliosis eyebrow guy goes, yes, great elder, with his eyebrows. <laughs> stop that! I can see that. It's interrupting me too, even if it's not on the audio level. <laughs> so, we've adopted these technologies and concepts from the stone people, and it's been very good for us. Now I want to begin to adopt their language. No, something more, something more dastardly than that. Now I want more. Adopting their children. <laughs> Do you mean that we're going to begin adopting their children now? And um, the great elder actually cracks a little smirk and goes, Something like that. Give me the boy. Uh, yes, great elder. And the great elder reaches underneath his reed tunic and produces a tool, a tool that the others can't quite identify. But when he pulls it out of what looks like a like a, a thin a, holster, um, it looks like a Glock. <laughs> <laughs> he cocks it. <laughs> And artist is like, <laughs> I've got a Glock in my Rari. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> a fucking tool. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who said he pulls out a tool. <laughs> so he brings out this tool, and when he pulls it out of what looks like a animal skin cover, it glints in the firelight. And its edge is sharper than any spearhead that the others have ever seen. But the material is unfamiliar to them. It looks like a shiny rock. Is that, um, the great elder, is that a shiny rock? <laughs> <laughs> and the great elder says, No, imbecile. It is metal. Metal is a special stone that the stone people have entrusted to me. Give me the boy. Yes, great elder. And the woman pushes the the blotch faced woman pushes the boy forward. Um, um artist. <laughs> so uh, rebelling and has now begun just chewing at his the the reed tying his um his wrists together. When the great elder grabs his wrist and places the tool, which we know to be a knife, places the blade onto Artis's palm. And when Artis feels the cold metal, he stops for a moment and looks up at the Great Elder. This will only sting for a moment. I need your blood, boy. I want to become as strong as your kind. <laughs> With a first prick of steel into Artis's palm and the pain that shoots through his forearm, he pulls away as quick as he can. Startling the old elder. Make a startled noise. Eh, hold still, you. And only a single bead of blood is running 
down into the reeds around Artis's wrist. Artis only takes a second glance at it before he looks back up to the big elder and gives him a solid planted kick right in the groin. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The three others, the scoliosis and dad eyebrow man, the, uh, the, the broad, tall, big boy, and the uh, blotchy-faced woman all immediately leap forward to restrain little artist, but he ducks and he runs right through the scoliosis man's crooked legs while the woman and the big man knock their heads together and fall to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And he runs out the door. Get him! Yes, yes, great elder. Yes, great elder. And then eyebrows gestures. Complicated (laughs) eyebrow gestures. (laughs) But before they can even make it out of the hut, Artis is running as fast as he can down the main thoroughfare of Long Big River Village and right into two familiar individuals standing at the edge, one Oturo and one Bellop. Sweating and tired from the trip, they are about to collapse when this crazy boy comes sprinting at them and skids to a halt Shocked to see them. Art- Artis, Philip says. And rushes to hug his friend. Artis goes, <laughs> and points back toward the hut. <laughs> With his bound hands, uh, Oturo immediately understands that something is very wrong. So he picks Philip up by the waist and picks Artis up by the waist as well and leaps back into the reeds behind them. Just as three dastardly goons step out into the thoroughfare. <laughs> looking left and right, but there's no boy to be seen. <laughs> I was I was thinking about your like your zooming noises that we used before <laughs> to like jump through time. <laughs> yeah. Give us a, give us a sure. time jump sound. Give us a time jump sound just for fun. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Oh my god. Very Doctor Who. I, I don't know if we're going to get sued for any of this. No, yeah, that's the after gag. That's the after gag. <laughs>